0: If you've read anything about sharks in Cape Cod, you've probably seen the name Greg Skomel. And if you tuned into Shark Week this year, you saw him on Wicked Sharks. Shark biologist Greg Skomel is a giant among local shark researchers. And he's back on the podcast to talk about getting a shark's point of view, his take on exciting new tools his team has been using this summer, and what he wants to see in the future for shark research.
1: Greg, how are you doing? How are you handling this pandemic? Well, um, I'm doing fine. You know, my ha- my family is healthy. You know, I think working at home is a bit challenging, but anytime I can get on the water, I'm trying to do that. So, um, no, we're, we're 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 forging forward. We're doing as best we could given the pandemic. And I know it's uh it's a lot harder for other folks out there. And uh, you know, it's you know, it's one day at a time. So
0: far, how is the season going? How are you kind of adjusting to
1: COVID? Well, typically, you know, this time of year, and Rob, you know this, we we are inundated with requests to, you know, get the media out on the water, the news media, and we try to accommodate them as best we can. That's a lot different this year. We can't do that, and uh, um, which is which is fine. Uh, but you know, we're able to get out on the water. Uh, we social distance on the boat. Uh, there's only four of us on the boat. Given the size of the boat, that's all we really can have. And um, we're getting our jobs done. I mean, so we're able to get out there. We're able to get the work done. And, you know, yeah, we we were delayed a little bit and the weather's causing us some issues. But other than that, we're getting work done.
0: A lot of people saw that work on Wicked Sharks recently, and that was very
1: exciting. A lot of new technology, new discoveries. Well, I think what I really liked about this show is that it accurately portrayed the new technologies that we're throwing at these issues. You know, we're very much interested in the fine scale behavior of these sharks around Cape Cod beaches. You know, we're really interested in how they interact with seals and ultimately hope that we'll be able to produce information that's going to be helpful for public safety. And I think the show did a good job of highlighting the new technologies that we're using now And uh, and how we're trying to recreate these very, very, very fine scale movements of these sharks uh, in shallow water adjacent adjacent to areas where people are recreating. And I think that's the key. You know, that's the key to be able to study this species over a very fine scale, produce high resolution data that will allow us to look for patterns and ultimately forecast perhaps those areas or those times when people may be more vulnerable. And when you have that information, then you can inform public officials and they can
0: make policy around that, which is what your research is all about, trying to merge the world of science and
1: policy. That's exactly right. Um, Every public safety official that we talk to in all of the Cape Towns tell us, keep feeding us as much science as you possibly can. You know, keep us in the loop. Let us know what you are learning and how it can help us to manage these beaches in order to enhance public safety. And so that's what we're trying to do, you know? And we're using, I think, the tools now that are gonna be able to, you know, allow us to put together this puzzle as to how white sharks are behaving in shallow water, because that's the key, you know? How are they behaving in shallow water when they overlap with human beings, you know? And is there something we can learn about that behavior that'll allow us to say, ah, this is not a good place or a good time? To be in the water next to these animals.
0: And when you talk about the tools, one thing that I found really ex- exciting is the real time tracking. What does it take to track a shark in real time?
1: Well, you know, the real time technology is the latest and greatest. And, you know, what we've been doing the last 10 years is putting acoustic tags on white sharks. We've got over 220 acoustic tags on white sharks, and what those tags do is they they emit a very high frequency sound that's picked up by an array of acoustic receivers that we've got all over the state of Massachusetts. So we get a sense of where these animals are. But typically, the average acoustic receiver we have to collect at the end of the year in order to get those data. So it's not given to beach managers in real time, it's not given to scientists in real time. This year we're testing technology that will transmit that information immediately. So anytime a white shark swims within the range, which is typically anywhere between 100 and 500 yards of one of these receivers right off the beach, you know that receiver is going to detect the shark, determine who that shark is, you know, and then transmit that information immediately to a lifeguard or a public safety official in that town as well as to us and that information can be used to to uh to manage the beach so in other words uh most beaches decide to close for an hour so it lets you know when that shark arrives and when it leaves so it's real time information coming into public safety officials and to scientists and we're just testing this technology but it appears to be working really well on 5 of the beaches that we've put these uh, instruments on
0: and that's amazing because you know, if you know sharks in the area in the real time, you don't have to be looking out on the water. You don't have to, you know, be in the water to see the shark. You could just know through technology that a shark's around. And that's, that's such a game changer. I mean, yeah, I can see them just putting it on so many sharks. And you can kind of track where, and then you can track the movements in real time, thus helping your research.
1: That's exactly right. You know, we're able to get those data in real time. So we can look for patterns almost immediately. Um, We haven't been able to do that before. We have to go out, collect 100 receivers, and we still have to do that because, you know, we still have 100 other receivers in the water that are collecting information. Um, And we'll pull those probably in late December or January. But these real-time live receivers will give us that information immediately. But it's really important, though, to to emphasize, Rob, that – we have not tagged every shark out there. Right. So just because one of our tagged sharks isn't on that particular beach at that moment doesn't mean that there isn't a white shark there. So that's the caveat to using this technology. We certainly don't want to give people a false sense of community, of of, uh, of security. You know, We don't want them to think, wow, the uh, there's no shark that's been detected, therefore there might not be a shark here. We have not tagged them all, although I'd like to say I have. We certainly haven't done that, but we're trying to.
0: And that's just one of the tools that you're kind of experimenting with. I know that you're working on something with drone balloons. And I know people, when they see drones in the sky, they get a little nervous. But uh, maybe explain to people what these are doing in the sky and how they're helping
1: with your research. Yeah, so again, we think the key to understanding you know, when or where a white shark might bite a person is knowing where and when they're hunting. And so we really need to get direct observations of that behavior and so we're all familiar with drone systems most drones have a limited battery life um they're noisy you know a lot of areas of cape cod don't allow drone usage instead of drones we're using what's called a fixed aerial balloon or blimp with a camera system on it it's quiet we can launch it it's in the air it will stay there for hours It will transmit images back to us on the beach. We can record what those images are. We can determine when seals are in the area. We can determine when a shark is coming in to potentially attack and kill a seal. So we can get direct observations of shark and seal behavior using this technology. We can pivot the camera anywhere we want. We can zoom in. And so it's a really excellent tool. No, we can't cover a lot of ground with it, but we can put it up for hours on end and have somebody, a technician there, collecting these observations to, again, see how does a white shark approach a beach? Does it use any specific channels to do that? Is it following a seal? Does it attack a seal when it instantly sees it? Those kinds of behavioral observations are going to give us a glimpse into how these animals are reacting in the shallow water. You're attacking from the sky.
0: And also, you know, you have cameras on the sharks now that kind of like show what they're seeing
1: underwater. Yeah, we've got these live receivers. We've got aerial systems for observing. But we're also using a really sophisticated technology called accelerometry. Right. And accelerometry collects information every second on what that shark is doing. Every second. Um, 20 different parameters are measured. And those parameters tell us whether the shark is swimming slowly or swimming fast, when it accelerates, where is it in the water column, what's the water temperature. It gives us really, really high resolution behavioral data. And coupled with that, we have a camera built into these tags. And so what we do is we put these tags on the shark for one, two, three days, and then the tag comes off floats to the surface, and we go collect it. We then download millions of data points from this deployment, and we can recreate what the animal does in the three-dimensional space of its environment. So we can tell when it's just lazily swimming along, when it's uh, accelerating to perhaps attack a seal, and we can take these data and couple it with the observations from the cameras themselves to look at how frequently they go hunting, when they go into shallow water, where are they in shallow water, what are they doing in shallow water, are they lazily swimming, are they exhibiting some other kind of movement pattern, how often do they attempt to kill a seal, and how many seals ultimately might they feed on over the course of a summer, which is a big question a lot of people ask. So it really gives us direct observations as well as data sets to look at the fine scale behavior of these animals. So it's just one more technology that we're throwing at this issue to try to study the behavior of white sharks. What you found out about shark resting behavior that was so exciting? Rob, we're basically already getting results. You know, we put cameras on sharks, we're getting observations. We are riding the back of a white shark for 24 or 48 hours, and that's like absolutely amazing. If you told me we would be doing that 20 years ago, I'd say you're out of your mind. You know, the technology didn't exist. Um, And we're already getting little tidbits of information. You know, we tend to think of white sharks as being, you know, highly charismatic, highly active animals that are just cranking all the time, moving along the bottom, always in hunting mode. Um, But that's not the case. You know, some of the data we got last year, as well as direct observations from the camera system, show that one of our sharks, and this was highlighted in Wicked Sharks, you know, was actually resting at one point. For, for a bit, you know, just laying on the, you know, mo- not laying on the bottom, but, you know, it stopped moving and just hanging out in one specific area as it kind of took a little bit of a siesta. You know, was it sleeping? We don't think so because they need to keep breathing, but it certainly had taken down its, its uh, you know, its pace a bit and was relaxing. Maybe it had just consumed a seal and didn't really need to be doing much as it just hung out and digested. So um, that was pretty exciting observation coming from these tags already, and I know we're gonna keep seeing more. And it's all pieces to the puzzle. How excited are
0: you this year? It seems like you're experimenting with a lot of new, exciting technology. Is this like the year where you
1: feel like there's gonna be some great breakthroughs in research? Yeah, you know, one thing we know about science is it moves slowly, even though there's some sense of urgency in right. in our minds. Um, to try to collect information as quickly as possible, you know we've de- we've deployed uh, now almost ten of these camera tags. We've got five of these live receivers out there. Brian is doing his work with the fine scale arrays which we've expanded this year. You know, we've got the aerial balloon systems. So yeah, I'm, you know, we're throwing as much technology as we can at this issue and I'm really excited about what we're going to be collecting, but it almost can't happen fast enough. So if I get a day like today that's pouring rain with lots of wind, I'm frustrated because we want to be out there collecting information. We've got a couple of months left this season. And so I'm very optimistic. We're going to keep collecting data. We've got a full-time student at the University of New England working on data sets as they come in. And so, you know, we're just doing everything we possibly can to collect information that will hopefully give us meaningful results, you know, over the winter as we analyze these data sets.
0: Crazy, because you have all this exciting new technology in 2020, which is a year of pandemic and like the weather hasn't been great. So, it's really it's been it's been challenging steady as she goes. We're going to keep on collecting data and just ride into winter.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the various technologies we're using and um you know, we're going to let them we're going to let them do their job, you know. So, we're going to push hard for the next 2 months to get this technology out there and deploy it as much as we can, you know. Um, We're hoping that we produce enough information over the winter that will allow us to refine the way we use this technology next summer, but also produce information for public safety officials. You know, half the job is getting this technology deployed, is getting out there, getting on the water and using this equipment. The other half is making sense out out of literally millions of data points that are coming in. You know, and we'll do that during the off months you know, as we get into winter, and we'll keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Um, And uh, I'm optimistic. I'm really excited about, you know, everything we're doing this year. And, um, you know, and we're just going to keep pressing hard. I mean, what's that VR sharks, uh,
0: shark zoom calls? I mean, what's, I mean, what would, where would you want to take this? Like, what would be your dream uh, angle or uh, technology that you would use to keep studying sharks?
1: Well, you know, the, the, I, find, I find the cameras that you put on these sharks to be really useful. And I think over time, camera systems are going to continue to shrink. Batteries are going to continue to improve. Circuitry will get smaller. And satellite bandwidth will get better. So, you know, instead of tracking a shark for 24 hours or 48 hours, maybe we'll be able to put one of these tags on a shark from for weeks or even months And then that information will come back to us via satellite. So it'll detach from the shark. We don't have to pick it up, you know, because a shark that's tagged here in August is likely to be somewhere else in December. Mm. And so that tag will come off and transmit all that information back to us. And we can then look at what this animal did over the course of months. And ultimately, and this will probably happen after I retire, maybe even years, you know, Get direct behavioral observations because you got to understand white sharks probably spend somewhere around 60 or 70 percent of their time in places where we can't see them. okay? And so we're not very good at studying their behavior in those places. And so I want to see what they're doing when we can't see them, you know, as it is. You know, Cape Cod's a tough place in terms of water visibility, and uh, and ob- direct observations are tough to grab. But as the technology gets better and we keep deploying it, you know, I think what we're going to learn is going to be
0: absolutely amazing. I'm excited. I think it's it's great to look at what we have now, looking towards the future.
1: The important thing to realize is it's you know this is a team effort. You know, we you know you talk to me, you talk to Meg, and you know we're really at this the, you know just representing a larger group of people. We have a fleet of interns, we have students, we have a captain, John King, we have Wayne Davis in the air, we have other staff that are focused on this. You know, we are funded through the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy, through the Secretary's Office of Environmental Affairs, through my agency, um, through the Save Our Seas Foundation. You know, all these, this this is a massive effort A massive collaborative effort and i think it's important that people realize that you know it's not just me it's not just megan it is a group effort and we're all throwing as much as we can to learn about these fish it takes a village to study sharks (laughs) yeah it takes it takes a cape to study sharks (laughs) thank
0: you for listening to another episode of shark tales we have more sharky things with the atlantic white shark conservancy on our nbc 10 boston website instagram and youtube channels